Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, if you would please, chapter 1. We, we're been talking about the unstoppable, if you will, power of God in a believer's life to be able to fulfill what God has called them to do. To be able to move into a dimension to where God has put us into. We, we talked to you several weeks ago in, in one of our messages. We talked about the fact that, you know, that which is seen is created out of that which is not seen. It's important. You know, the Bible talks about that in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 there in verse 3. That which is seen comes out of that which is not seen. In other words, there, there is the kingdom where God dwells. I call it the fourth dimension where God dwells. And then there's the kingdom where we dwell, which is in the physical realm. There's different kingdoms that we get exposed to. We have the natural kingdoms of this world. And you can go from country to country or you can go from state to state or in different places. And this is the way they run themselves. And then you have the spiritual kingdom. The Bible says this. It says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places. In other words, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, that he has his own kingdom. And it says that in his kingdom, though, he rules over the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms in which we now live. Now, as we talk about that, we understand when we receive Jesus, according to Colossians chapter 1, we're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, it's what we call our spirit man is born again. Our flesh man is not, but our spirit man is born again. When you got saved and looked in the mirror, uh, it didn't matter what what height you were, you were still the same height. It didn't matter what what color your hair was, it was the same color. It didn't matter what color your skin was, it it has nothing to do with the physical, natural, outward appearance. It has everything to do with the spirit man. In the book of Proverbs, he says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That's not something you can physically see. That's a spiritual dynamic. So when we receive Jesus, as many as receive Jesus, he gives them power to become the sons of God. Now what happens is when I receive Jesus, it says Jesus comes into my life and I am now made a child of God and through the shed blood of Christ, all sin penalty has been taken care of and paid for. Because on the cross when Jesus shed his blood, he said he purchased us back with his precious blood and our sins are washed away. So when I receive Jesus, the blood is applied to my life. Sin is no longer in charge of my spirit man. Come on, stay with me. Now, I don't see that. You understand, I I can't see that. That's a spiritual dynamic. That's the reason sometimes somebody will receive Christ. It might take them a while to get their act cleaned up. You say, well, somebody, I believe you get saved, everything changes in a moment. That's true spiritually. But sometimes you got to deal with some stuff. Come on, tell somebody, you know what I'm talking about. And so we grow in the spirit. We grow in the kingdom of God. With this kingdom of God, as it begins to expand, we understand that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added on you. Seek first the spiritual kingdom. See, what is the kingdom of God? It's the sovereignty and the will of God. Seek after what God has chosen for you rather than what the world is telling you. Don't let that tell me who I am. See, because the world's always trying to tell us who we are. And, you know, we see it right now. We see it in our gender crisis in America today and around the world, but really in the United States, a bunch of woke people who want to tell you, that, you know, about what gender is. In reality, is the spirit to tell you who you are. You don't need some yokel that doesn't know what they're doing that's under the cover of Satan trying to tell you that you're a man or a woman. I mean, I don't know how to tell you this. All you got to do is look down and you know what you are. 
It is what it is. I'll, I'll let that sink a minute. I'll move on. I hope I didn't offend anybody. And so when we're living in the kingdom of God, it's a supernatural thing. He says it this way over in, in Corinthians. He says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, or enter into the heart of the man the things that God has prepared for them. Eye hath not seen. That's a natural thing. Ear, it's a natural thing. The heart. In other words, you haven't been able to, to, to qualify it because the natural man doesn't understand it. And I, and I love it because in the world in which we live, instead of recognizing that we are a spirit who lives in a physical body, we talk about the energy. We talk about the aura. Don't you love that kind of stuff? Instead of talking about things, it's just the spirit. And you know as well as I do, when you go to bed at night and close your eyes, you know there's more to you than what's laying in that bed. Why? And it's your spirit. See, it's funny. Your head will lie to you. Your body will lie to you, but your spirit will never lie to you. And if we allow the kingdoms of this world to rule in our lives, then we'll never get it right. We're supposed to be spirit-led, not flesh-led. We make judgments on the flesh all the time, which is ridiculous, because it's the spirit that makes the, the things right or wrong. Amen? So when we look at the spiritual dynamic, I want us to begin to understand some things here. We, we've got to begin to know how to move the, the spiritual dynamic into creating the natural dynamic or the physical dynamic. That which is seen is created that which is not seen. Okay, so the spirit created the physical. You got that? Physical didn't create the spirit. The spirit created the physical. God is a spirit. They that worship him is worship him in spirit and truth. The spirit created what you can't see. So well, I don't believe that. I don't know. Oh, really? Think with me a minute. Where do you think everything you see in this world came from? It wasn't here. Oh, man built it. Where did man get the idea? You know why? You're creating the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? Fruitful, multiply, and replenish. What does that mean? That you are a person that is to take the spirit of God in you, not to create something that wasn't, but to bring into being what God has already said it should be. So I've got to move from the spirit world into the natural world, and how do I get the spirit man to change the natural man in which I live? Because in the natural world, when I'm not a Christian... Is controlled by the God of this world, which is another spirit, a demonic spirit, a spirit, an angel that was cast down from heaven that is now God's adversary. And he, because Adam's failure, he gave him the authority on earth. So he's called the God of this world. He is a, he is a God of the kingdoms of this world. And it, until I receive Jesus, I can't have authority over him. He's going to rule over me. So I don't believe that. Just look around you. We have never had more intelligent people in the world than we have today. We've never had more inventions in the world than we have today. And we've never been in a bigger mess in my lifetime than we are today. Oh, we're so smart, we're dumb. I mean, we're just foolish people. And I don't want to get started with all of that. Because then you can get people get political on me. And I don't want to be political, political in that area. But we make dumb thoughts based upon natural things rather than the spirit. Hmm. The world has been caught up in that. That's where the system is today. And it's because the church has allowed the world to infiltrate us and to cause us to move in a, in a totally different dynamic than, than really than, than we should in that sense. 
See, we, we live in a world of drug addiction and alcoholism and pornography, the occult, and we don't think it's strange. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, we ride down. Oh, there you are. That's okay. You know why? Because we have gotten used to it. I'm a born-again believer, but it doesn't bother me to ride by a strip club. It doesn't bother me to be around people that are getting drunk and, 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 and having illicit sex with one another. It doesn't bother me to be around people who use the Lord's name in vain and is constantly cursing God. Because, you know, that's just the way they are. I just accept everybody. You know, God is love. <laughs> really? I don't mean you go after them. I don't mean that you, but you, you, it, it should bother us to the point that we have a conviction. I don't need to be around this. We were, we were at, a, at a party and, and everybody started, you know, we got there and everybody's happy and all that. And they're all, they, they, they got their, their little cocktails and stuff out. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody's getting all that. I told my wife, I said, we're out of here. She says, well, you know, we just got here. I said, no. We shouldn't even have gotten here. We're gone. And I left. Somebody said, is something wrong? No, nothing's wrong. I'm just doing what's right. I didn't leave because of wrong. I left because I knew what was right. Because I knew what was right, I didn't need to put myself in that position. And I know it sounds like, oh, well, you know, aren't you strong enough to handle that? It's not about being strong enough to handle it. But if you hang out around a barbershop long enough, you're getting a haircut. Oh, hallelujah. But the church has allowed this to happen to us. And we, and we, and we go at it with this thing because we've got the love of the Lord. Demons, witchcraft, magic, they're okay. We go to movies. We watch them on TV. We've got all kinds of wonderful things like that. But don't talk about prophets or preachers or saints. They're unacceptable. I can have a, a, a movie about demons and everybody goes to watch it. I, I can talk about Jesus. They go, Shh, don't do that. Don't, don't, you're going to offend somebody. Well, I'm offended with demons. They bother me. Some of you are so funny. Well, it's just a movie. Oh, really? That's the problem. That's the problem. You've gotten so caught up in the kingdoms of this world, you don't even realize the circumstances are dictating to you rather than God and the Holy Spirit. We're in a world that lives by feelings, emotions, and options. Situational ethics is the core value of the system of this world. What's situational ethics? In the moment, it was okay. Doesn't mean it's okay all the time, but in the moment, it works for me. A little lie here, a little cheat here, God will forgive me. Oh, come on, folks. Situational ethics. You choose what's right in the moment rather than what's right in the kingdom. What's happened to a righteousness and honor and obedience? The church has become more concerned about social acceptance than God's acceptance. As I've mentioned before, situational ethics has become our conscience rather than God's word. Sin's no longer rejected by the church, but we justify a false teaching of love and grace. And we'll get into that. It seems like we've changed our theology to accommodate our, our tragedies and our failures. The church lost sight of their assignment. We become too relaxed and too comfortable. We want, we want the world to accept us so much that we no longer uh, operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get too happy. 
When's the last time you saw somebody healed? When's the last time you went and led somebody to Christ? When's the last time you saw the power of God fall on somebody and they get their lives straightened out? Compromise has taken the place of being a witness. Acceptance has taken the place of a holy lifestyle. A little sex in the movies is okay because I'm a mature Christian. I understand what the world is facing. Small lies, not too bad. I can identify with the world and not, not look like a holy roller. That might take a small compromise, but at least they'll accept me. The church is more in tune with the world than they are with God. We spend more time on our iPhone than in God's Word. We spend more time with social media than in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We know more passwords than we know Scripture. I know why you're in the balcony now. People are sad and will sacrifice the truth to be popular. The Holy Spirit does not come on people to make them popular. The Holy Spirit comes on people so that they can be seen as a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I say all of that to take us to the book of Acts, and I want us to move into some dimensions today. And uh, I'm excited, to be very honest with you, because I believe God is doing such an incredible work right now in the kingdom. Amen. And, and we talked about the fact that if we're going to be unstoppable, that you must have the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus told the disciples, he said to them, he said, now, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to send forth the Comforter. I'm going to send forth the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be there to teach you all things. In other words, if I get this correctly, if he's going to send the Holy Spirit to teach me all things, I cannot understand all things without the Holy Spirit teaching me. Does that make sense to you? And so he tells the disciples, he tells them over in, in, in the book of Acts here, where he talks to them, and, and he tells them, he says that, he says, you know, you're going to go, you can go to Jerusalem, you're going to tarry there until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? He filled the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says to them, you shall, let's put that up on the screen, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria in the end of the earth. Now, why, why would we bring that up? Because when you, when you look at the book of Acts, if you're taking notes, write this down. Workers, wonders, and the world. Workers, you shall receive the Holy, the Holy Spirit. After you receive it, you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be the worker or you shall be the witness. And it is a witness into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. Amen? Now, as we look at this, the word power is the ability to do. It means to act. It means to be able to produce. It's an amazing thing. It says that you will be, you will be endued with power by which you can act the way you're supposed to act. Now, I'm going to tie this in in a moment that I think is going to help some of you understand how the Holy Spirit is flowing now. And so as we look at that and we, and we, and we look into, into, this, into this chapter, we go, to, go over to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Now, remember, we talked about workers, wonders, and the world. Workers, you shall receive power if the Holy Ghost come in you. 
wanders, you're going to be a witness. They shall see. These signs shall follow those that believe. In the world, into the uttermost parts of the world. You got that? Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, if we'd go there, please. When the day of Pentecost fully come, they were all in one place, in one accord, in one place. Now, let's look at something. They were in one accord. That means, everybody say unity. That means they were together. Because sometimes being together is going to cost you something. <laughs> My wife and I were married 43 years this past Thursday. Nobody knows what it has cost her to live with me for 43 years. <laughs> See, if you're going to be in unity, it's going to cost you something. Have we had our disagreements? Yes. But we never made a decision that we were unified on. Maybe that's why we're still together after 43 years. Amen? Next verse. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Just hold that. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. You think maybe that's a wonder? And it says, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Go to verse 3, Acts chapter 2, verse 3. Then there appeared to them divine tongues as a fire, and one sat upon them. We're moving into some really supernatural, weird kind of stuff now. I mean, we something like that, and we go, ooh, what is that? I hadn't seen that before. But they were told the Holy Spirit's going to come, and they know that this is what's taking place. Look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Next verse, I want to go, I'm going to go on from there. Let's go to verse 5. I didn't give them that before, but let's try and pick up Acts chapter 2, verse 5, when you get a chance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Look at verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, understand something. These were working men. A lot of them were working men. Some were tax collectors. And I understand that. But you got some fishermen there. They didn't exactly take language in, in school. You had people paying taxes from all nations around coming in to pay their taxes. But when they heard, now listen to this. It said there came a sound for heaven. It sounded like a rushing mighty wind. That was perceived in the sense of cloven tongues or, or fire that set upon them. And when it came upon them, they began to make a sound. But the sound they made to the people who heard it was the language they come from. In other words, they were empowered to be a witness to an assigned group. Oh, I'm messing somebody up now. They all were speaking in other tongues. But the sound that you made was not the sound I made because it might have been to the Italian and mine might have been to the German. But we were both full of the Holy Ghost. In other words, we have assignments on our lives that people were supposed to reach. And if we let the Holy Spirit use us, we're going to make the sound that they understand. Glory to God. I said we're going to sound. And let me say this. There's nothing that happens in this life that doesn't happen with a sound. You can't speak without making noise. 
You ever heard somebody say, here, you just make a noise? My mama used to do that. You just make a noise. It means nothing. You, you know, you're just noisy. Why? Because I'm trying to say something to her. I'm making a sound, but she didn't understand the sound. I was trying to help her to understand. Come on, stay with me, guys. Let's see where we're headed on this. It's talking about being unstoppable. See, when you get the power of the Holy Spirit in you, that even though you can't see what God has for you, the Holy Spirit is there to teach you. And when he teaches you, how does he do it? He paints pictures on the canvas of your mind that now you can see what you've never seen. So the noise you make is not based upon some abstract thing. It's based upon what you are seeing because we all talk about what we see. Oh, come on, stay with me. How do I get from the spirit world to the natural world? I'm going to have to make a sound. And the Holy Spirit, he says, even over the book of Corinthians, he said, when I don't know how to pray, I let the Holy Spirit pray through me, and it prays the perfect will of the Father. And I don't know what I prayed. I can ask him, what did I pray? And he'll, he'll tell me how I prayed it. Words are a sound that creates pictures. Pictures or the ability to reach into the abstract world of the spirit realm and begin to manifest it in the natural realm. That's why God is the God that is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's eternal. God was, is, always has been. In other words, he's been to the, to the end of things, and then he's come back to where we are trying to get us prepared so that when we get to the end of things, everything will be right. Okay, let's look at this now. <laughs> so he says this. He says in, in, in verse 24 of chapter 2, it says, Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of, of, of death. It was not possible that it should be, he could be held by the pains of death or, or the birth pains of death. In other words, when I receive Christ, it is not possible for the enemy to overcome me because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He has already overcome them if I'll just let the Spirit lead me. What we want to do is tell the Spirit where we want to go. We're going to let the Spirit say, no, this is what you need to do. Come on, stay here with me, guys. Now, we go over, it's, it's funny, because as, as, we, as we go forward here, and we go over to ch chapter 3, it, well, let me go back, let me go to this. Let's talk about this for a moment. Jesus is preached to them by Peter on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people come into the kingdom of God in that day. Okay, you can read it in the same chapter, it talks about that. Now, once he has preached to them, and the 3,000 has come, it says in verse 41, then those who had gladly received his word were baptized that day, 3,000. And they continued, watch this now, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, many wonders and signs, oh, there's the wonders again, workers' wonders in the world, were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together Add, had all things as common. In other words, it said when they got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, they became givers. Oh, let me go over here to this group. So you can't tell me that you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're not a giver. 
Now, I'm not talking about dollars and cents, you understand. It's a lifestyle. I'm a giver. As a giver, I'm going to give everything. I'm going to give my time, my talent, my energy. You know, I, I'm just looking for places I can make somebody else feel valuable and feel encouraged and, and feel lifted up that I can help them. But the world system says it's all about me. See, a lot of people don't understand the reason you want to be rich is not because you can live in a big home and there's nothing wrong with a big home, but you want to be rich so you can help somebody else who hasn't been able to help themselves. <clears throat> I had a guy talking against prosperity the other day, and I know the man, and I know he lives in a multi-million dollar home, I know he flies his own jet, I know that he's got millions in the bank. And he's talking to people that you, if prosperity is a sin and it's wrong. I thought, when you sell everything you got and take on ash, ashes and sackcloth, then I'll believe you. Until then, just shut up. <laughs> See, we've we got to understand something. Being a giver means you have been empowered. You've been given an ability that you can supply to other people. And, and if you read this a little bit further, it says, So they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread and from house to house. They had their, their food with glad, they, they, they ate their food with gladness in, in the simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily and those that were saved. It said that in this passage of Scripture, that when they began to give to one another, breaking bread and sharing with one another, it said there was not one need in the church. What would happen if everybody here learned how to be a giver of time, talent, energy, finance of your life and you begin to bless everybody in this church the way you want to be blessed and then all of a sudden we wake up here three months later and all, nobody has any needs? Well, I've got a lot of stuff. Who cares? Didn't tell you to give all your stuff. Just start giving. That's what Jesus told the rich young ruler. Sell everything you got and start giving to the poor. We read it, sell everything you got and give it all away. That's not what he told him. He says, your problem is you don't understand the kingdom. The kingdom is based upon giving. The kingdom of God is a mansion, scatter seed. You sow your seed. God is not mocked. What's our man soweth, that shall he also reap. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest. You understand when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're made to be a giver. Why? It makes you a witness. You learn to make a sound. Why? Because there's some people, they won't hear your sound, but there's some people waiting to hear it. Okay? They're waiting to hear your sound. I don't know these guys. I've met them. I don't know. He knows them. He made the sound that asked him to come to church. He made the sound that asked him to receive Christ. He made the sound that asked him to be a part of his life. My sound wouldn't register with them. It might now, maybe a little. But, but it was his sound that God used for them to know that God is a good God. He loves them most and bless them. The Holy Spirit makes you unstoppable. We look over here in the third chapter, and we find that in verse 1, going through there, the next few, first four or five verses, says, Peter, John, went up to pray together in the temple of the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A certain man from the mother's womb, by the way, he was 41 years old, was carried, whom they laid at the, day, at the gate, the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms of those who entered the temple. In other words, he was a beggar who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him, John, on John, Peter said, look on us. So 
he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from him. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What did he do? He says, you've been sitting here for 41 years, but I've come to give you a sound you've never heard before. And when you hear this sound, you're going to move from the, from the spiritual realm of the unseen into the natural realm of what is seen. You're going to take what has, has confined you all these years in spirit of darkness, and today through the light that I'm going to give you, the sound I'm going to make is going to so enlighten you that you're no longer going to be held captive, and you're no longer going to be lame. Even though you've had 41 years, they told you you'll never get out of it. You've sat here. Everybody knows who you are, I got news for you, we're about to see a worker, a wonder, and it's going to reach the world. Amen. Come on, stay with me, church. I mean, it's so powerful. I said it's so powerful. When you see what God did, and, and, and immediately it says that, that when... That, that when he did that, he went to tell everybody, they began to preach that now there was added to the church about 5,000 more. We're talking about tongues of fire making a sound, 3,000 saved. We're talking about making a sound that a man had never heard before, that he runs and leaps and praises God. And fire. I wonder what sound God's make, wanting you to make so you can reach the thousands. So you can reach the multitudes. There's a whole bunch of people, whether you realize it or not, that wants to hear what you've got to say. Now the system will tell you no. Because we find during this time that they came to him, the religious people, they incarcerated them and they took him before them and they challenged them. They said, don't you preach in the name of Jesus. And they said, you don't understand. We don't have a choice. It's the sound that we have. And we will keep making that sound. Your religious sound has produced nothing. Your religious sound has kept him at a place at the temple where he's a beggar. But the sound of Jesus, the sound of the kingdom has raised him up. He's no longer a beggar. Come on, tell somebody, you are not designed to beg. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you look at this stuff. It says that they went back and they began to, in boldness, they began to pray and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And look at verse 33 of chapter 4. In great power of the apostles gave witness, in great power, with great power, they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Hmm. Great grace was upon them. I want to take a moment because I've got to deal with this. Because the moment that we hear about grace in that capacity, we think that grace is unmerited favor. Tell somebody grace is not unmerited favor. I heard someone today, I couldn't believe it. I was up early this morning, very early, and I so I turn on, I listen to here Christian TV and just like to hear some of these guys and I want to be inspired like everybody else, you know, you know, no matter whether we teach or not, we need people that can speak in our lives. So I'm listening to this guy and he's talking about the difference between mercy and grace. And I said, this, I don't know where he's coming from, this is the goofiest thing I've ever heard of. That grace is unmerited. Unmerited favor. Jesus gave you grace. That's why you're saved. That's not true. He gave you mercy. That's how you got saved. Not by works of righteousness, but by God's mercy are you saved. He died on the cross when you didn't deserve for him to die on the cross. 
shed his blood. You didn't deserve for him to shed his blood. But he says, I count you more valuable than you count your own self. So I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to pay for the price of sins. The Father sent me and under the Father's request. I'm going to be that sacrifice, and I'm going to show you mercy, not to give you what you deserve, but to give you something you don't deserve. It's called salvation. Grace, according to the study of that word, it is the presence and empowerment of God upon a believer's life to walk in favor in goodness. Did you get that? It's the empowering presence of God upon a believer. Let me put it this way. To be what God created them to be, do what God called them to do, so he can be glorified and you can, you can be victorious or successful in what he created you to do. Well, I don't believe God wants everybody to be successful. He cometh not to steal, kill, steal, but I came to my have life and have it more abundantly. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I'm not designed to be successful, then why did he give me the scripture that said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Why did he tell me that no weapon formed against me would prosper? Why did he tell me if he be for me, who would be against me? Why did he tell me greater is he that's in me than he that's in me? Why would he tell me this if I'm not designed to be a winner? That the church, again, has let the world system creep in. Why? Because the enemy wants to hold you in your circumstance rather than you fulfill your purpose and destiny. And so we misunderstood that what he said here and what he was talking here. They grew in the empowerment of God upon their life. That when they begin to pray and the Holy Spirit begin to... See, when you have the Holy Spirit working in you, it is going to cause grace to now be able to move to a whole other level in your life. So you can walk in victory and success. But by perverting the terminology of mercy and grace, we are now held captive in a moment rather than being set free for the future. Go over to the book of Hebrews, if you would, please. And let, let, let's, let's go to chapter 4. Let's start at verse 14, 15, and 16. Let's put that up on the screen, if we would, please. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to what? Can I, can I tell you something that if, in, in your Bible, if you're marking it, where it says, where it says hold fast to, to your confession, right next to it, your sound? Okay, you can't have a confession without creating a sound. You always have a sound before you understand what that thing is all about. Next verse, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now get a hold of this, folks. I, when I was in seminary, I had a major deal. We almost shut the school down with professors and everybody else in the room because of this right here. And they could only give me traditional thoughts rather than explaining to me but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Because their concept was Jesus could not be tempted. Now, Jesus' deity, the son of the living God, could not be tempted. But Jesus, as a man in the flesh, had temptation. Oh, come on, stay with me here. Because the minute temptation comes, because something's wrong with me. No, nothing's wrong with you. You're in the flesh. You've got to learn to take authority of it. No big deal. 
That's, it's no big deal to be tempted. It's when you take temptation and begin to add to it. Now we've got a problem. See what I'm saying? Now watch this now. Next verse. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Ooh. Now, here's the tradition. Let us come boldly to the throne of unmerited favor. Now, how can I be in unmerited favor when I'm a child of God? When I have been washed by the blood of Christ, when I have a high priest that goes to the we just read about him, he can be touched with everything I've got. So how can I be in a position for unmerited favor when I already have unmerited favor by getting saved? I don't need unmerited favor anymore. I need empowerment. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be a witness. Workers, wonders in the world. Why? Because I have the empowerment of God that's activating the grace of God for me to be what he created me to be, do what he called me to do, that my sound is going to become relevant. Hmm. That I may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I don't need a merited favor. I need empowerment in the time of need. I said I need empowerment in the time of need. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And we're going to read 19 through 25. Let's bring that up, if you would, please, when you get it. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That doesn't sound like unmerited favor now. It sounds like I've got a right to be there. Next verse. By a new and living way which consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Next verse. And having a high priest over the house of God. Next verse. And let us draw near to a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure water. Next verse. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That doesn't sound like it's unmerited. Next verse. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good. Wait a minute. I've got unmerited faith. No, you don't have that. You, you, the merited favor got you saved. You've got grace, which means you've got to do some works. And they teach this nonsensical grace message that, you know, you don't have to work for anything. It's all by grace. No, no, no. You got saved. You got to be a witness. The just shall live by faith. Faith is an activity. It's an action. It says by your works, he will judge you. If you build upon the foundation of Jesus, you'll be celebrated. If you don't, you're going to suffer loss. Faith without works is dead. So don't come to me. With, I'm trying to help some people here today. Understand grace is your ticket to fulfillment and success. Next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more so, so much the more as you see the day. Of, in other words, I need to be in church. Quietness hits the place. Well, I can stay home and 
I can, I can have live stream and I can read my books and I can follow brother so-and-so on channel 45 and to Trinity and I can get on Daystar and I, and I love all those and I support all those so don't you dare say I don't because they're my friends. I got a lot of friends in there. But I cannot be what God created me to be and cause my grace to begin to function if I don't have a local assembly where he says forsake not the assembling of yourselves. He says you got to love one another. You got to give to one Why is that? Because the early church really loved one another and they gave to one another. Everybody in the church had all their needs met and there was not one person sick. There was not one person that was without. There was no poverty in the church. There was no loss in the church. Why? Because they were operating in love, they were operating and caring for one another and taking care of one another and giving to one another and they had the empowerment of God upon their lives so that when they left the church they could make the sound that the world would change around them. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is such a It's such a truth that you cannot ignore. I've had people all the time say to me, well, I'm saved. And I had the Holy Spirit. Yeah, when you got saved, you had the Spirit of God. Same Spirit rest right dead and now dwells in you. You're saved. But Jesus said, now that you're saved, you get filled with the Holy Ghost for empowerment. Why empowerment? Because the empowerment is the ability to activate the grace of God in your life for you to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. That I no longer have to accept my circumstance. I don't need to talk about what is. That's the problem. We're so much caught up in social media and so caught up with the radio and the telecast of what's going on and listening to all. And, and we're listening to unbelievers tell us what's happening in the world. We're letting their sound override our sound. Here's a question for you. What would have happened if the right person had made the right sound to Putin and he got saved? Oh, so you're all quiet all of a sudden. Study the history of Hitler who had a bad taste from church because somebody made a wrong sound. You want to talk about racism in the world today? It's because somebody has made the wrong sound and we bought into it and we're trying to duplicate a sound that does nothing but divide and destroy and kill. You got people in the church today that are making sounds that tells you not everybody's supposed to be successful. But yet they want their success. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you got before God? And you like to pray, you said, not my will, but thy will. And Lord, I pray your will is, is it, nothing has to change here. If this is your will for me to be in poverty, if this is your will for me to be sick, if this is your will for me not to be able to keep a good job, if this is your will for me to go through three different marriages, well, God, so be it. That doesn't even make sense. And we've accepted this in the church. We treat that like it's some kind of doctrinal truth that is, ooh, not my will, but... Well, if I took that concept, I wouldn't witness to anybody. Hey, it's, it's on God. Let him decide who's going to be saved. And I got nothing to do with that. But yet he said in Acts, you 
you, a worker, are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And now you're going to be a witness. Signs and wonders are going to follow you. And you're going to make a sound. And you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. And the world's going to be changed. I'm changed from glory to glory. In other words, I might be poor today, but I don't have to be poor tomorrow. I might be, be in trouble today, but I don't have to be in trouble tomorrow. I might be unloved today. That doesn't mean I'm going to be unloved tomorrow. See, my circumstances not dictate to me. It's the kingdom of God. It's the glory of God in me. And he's empowered me with his grace that I can be who he said I could be. And do what he called me to do. Glory. So the question is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit for that empowerment to activate that grace that you can make the right sound? The first step is mercy. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent not his son to condemn mercy, but he sent his son that you might be saved, whether you deserve it or not. The next step is once I've been saved, is how do I get in this realm of the fourth dimension, the spirit realm, and activate it over this realm? I get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit activates the empowerment of grace in my life. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.